Everybody shut up. to our daily gun show we come to you live every evening at midnight eastern for about an hour we talk about guns uh we've got people jumping in from all over the country let's go east to west we got uh, page, uh we got page, pan, pan, uh, midnight jumping in from pennsylvania thanks for joining us. he's muted he's muted He's just being rude. You didn't call him pancakes. He didn't know you were talking about him. Yeah. Then we got a patriot jumping in from Michigan. Thanks for joining. Yeah, thanks for a lot. Appreciate it. You bet. Then we got, uh, let's see, I guess then comes Clover in Texas. Yep. Thanks. thanks appreciate it. Yeah. And then we got uh, Dead Horse up in Utah. Howdy. Thanks for having me. You bet. And I'm down here in Arizona. We got links out to a couple other people that jump in. <laughs> You're back. Thanks for jumping in. Yeah, sorry. I wasn't muted, and I didn't want to mute and have it, you know, playing in the background or whatever. So thanks for having me. And uh, today's Thursday. So typically on Thursdays, we talk training and CCW. So we kind of just leave random topics out there today. Um, I saw a thing back when I was uh, younger on uh, like an outdoor backpacker magazine it was before the internet and uh it had a cool article about uh, first aid and it it suggested if you can't remember the name of your last first aid instructor then it's time to get instructed to get new training it's like that's a good idea that it's time or that's an indication that it's time to get uh training again so um i don't know let me go started off with has anybody done any first aid training and how far have you pursued it and have you thought about doing more and if case in, in that case what kind we won't do left right just with throwing whatever of course this is an effort in the new media meaning we put this on an interactive platform we don't record this and send it out to be distributed we're doing this uh so that the people that are out there listening can contribute so what kind of first aid training have you done? Are you interested? I do, I do, I do basic, you know, basic first aid. And then there's a, an addendum or whatever you call it to that. That is outdoor first aid. Um, wilderness. Yeah. Well, yeah, they call it outdoor first aid, but yeah, it's just, you know, if you, for hunting related stuff, wilderness camping, you know, so different things like that. And then, um, um, obviously CPRs thrown in there as well. Um, that's as far as I go, and part of the reason, you know, I carry plenty of plenty of gear uh, as far as a, a vet bag goes, and you know, if I'm out, all thing like that. Typically speaking, I mean, I've got my wife that is a nurse is around a lot of times, and and lots of uh, medical personnel in the family, lots of medical personnel that uh that i'm friends with and odds are somebody that's 
appropriately trained. I don't want to say appropriately trained, but what am I? What am I thinking about? College educated or whatever. Odds are somebody that could utilize all of the equipment better than I was going to be. Um, you know, if I've got some basic, uh, I feel like you know I'm I'm covered. Um, first aid is not um, math, right? It's it's definitely hands-on. It's more mechanics. So uh, a lot of it is just being experienced with it. Uh, I think it's one of those things that anybody who's thrust into it is going to figure it out. It's pretty basic. Stop stuff from leaking out of the thing that's alive and uh, keep it breathing. But, um, you know, once you got most of the basic skills, it's just a matter of, you know, having been around it enough, I guess, or, you know, experiencing it enough to be comfortable with getting your hands in there and just doing it. And from my experience, hands-on and experiencing other people's first times digging into something that's crazy traumatic, you know, and has massive repercussions and consequences is everybody rises to the level. It's, you know, we're all in, the, you know, rooting for each other. So it's something that, you know, it's, it's all pretty basic. So it can be pretty taunting when you haven't done it, but it's just like riding a bike or something, I guess, to some extent, you know, once you've experienced it. Um, so I'm going to suggest ride-alongs. Has anybody ever done a ride-along in an ambulance? No. No. That's a thing. Mm -hmm. So you, they might want you to be going to class or school. So you could, if, you know, just take some class and then say you're thinking about being a, an EMT and that's probably enough. They just want to make sure you're not some kind of Yahoo or weirdo. And uh, an EMT or a, a, a riding around in an ambulance is ooh, it's super fascinating. It's it's just as fascinating. I don't want to say as much or more, but because I really like doing ride-alongs in police too. But ride-alongs with ambulances are really neat. And uh, for EMT schools, you have to at least for ours, you had to do that at more than one hospital, or like with ambulances that go to more than one hospital. So uh, super fun. So is that seeing different emergency rooms? You can also do the equivalent of a ride-along in an emergency room. You might need to be going to school for that. Yeah, I did training a long time ago before I went blind and stuff. But since I went blind, I haven't tried any. I've actually, over the past couple months, I've been looking for some more trauma-based, you know, tourniquets, that kind of stuff. Because a lot of that stuff has changed since, since I was around it. Echo is saying you can do ride-alongs with fire departments in their rescue units. All you have to do is ask and fill out the hold harmless form. I never thought about that, but that would be super cool, too, going on a ride-along with fire. I mean, they're lazier than cops, but they still do stuff that's interesting, I'm sure. Um, midnight. Yep. You just hold the seat. Uh training for food service out here we have to do like a health certificate every once in a while and then mm -hmm. i had just i had taken my emt and then got nationally registered which means you take a test that means you can go get a job in pretty much most of the states i think because you're going to get your emt training from like anywhere right just like medical training or anything else you can get it from a probably from a mail order or online or something i bet i don't know what really <coughs> get your EMT from anywhere and you can pass it, but then you have to pass this national test. 
then you're nationally registered, you can go anywhere. I did that and then figured out I didn't want to do that. And then I went into a restaurant shit for a minute. And in that, I had already done my EMT. So when I did my food service, I thought it was kind of interesting. So out there, do you do you have more than just one health certificate they have to do for working in a kitchen? And then <coughs> no, no, we um. You, you have to be, yeah, you have to be certified um, in, you know, food service sanitation, but not everybody even has to. Um, only one person on shift at a time has to be certified. Um, it doesn't even have to be a manager technically, um, uh, but they're certified in, you know, safe food handling and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Manager, um, like just a, a crew or do you mean like not a manager, like somebody in the offices and the joining office building? <clears throat> it has to be somebody. Well, I mean, I guess technically I'm not, I don't know the technical answer for that, but I would imagine that it would have to be somebody in direct contact or direct supervision of that could be in direct supervision of the the food, but that doesn't have to be a manager. It could be a cook. You know what I mean? If you have like a, um, you know, that, that legally that'll, that'll cover you. Um, you have to have somebody that's, that's available, I guess, to ask questions or to keep an eye on and make sure that food's being handled safely and, you know, sanitation and stuff like that. Um, it's a little bit weird that it doesn't have to be a man, but you know, I guess that's that's just how they do it. Um, but yeah, you go and do a class, and it goes from everything from it doesn't really have anything to do with like CPR or anything like that. Uh, we don't have to do that, but um, it it talks about everything from, um, you know, you, you even talk about like bacteria, like the individual, like you know, you talk about botulism and salmonella and all that kind of stuff. Um, it uh, so it it can be. A little tough for some people. Um, it's definitely something that you de uh, you have to study for. You got to take it. You know, you got to look over your stuff, or you'll you'll fail it pretty miserably. Yeah. Is ice a food? Is ice a food? Yes. Yes, it is. He went. He he passed. So, do you think that has anybody else taken uh, the food service uh, type of classes before for any kind of employment or general interest? Is that Surf Pro? Serve safe. Serve safe. Yeah, well, there I, might be. It might be called. It could be called different stuff. I, I don't really know. I, ours is called serve safe. Yeah, I, I never took it. I had friends take it, and I was always questioning them. You know, doing their bouncing questions off them so they they would remember it. But I had to do yeah. one. I had to do one through like the county health department or something here. It was years and years and years ago, and I don't remember any of it. So that's how small and insignificant that it seems is. I don't. I remember it being a hassle more than anything. Is that where they tell you temperatures of chicken and, and different things yeah. that, as well? Yeah. Okay. They, okay. So it's not just, just washing. It's, it's right. Oh, no, it, it's, yeah, it's everything because it, you know there's just some things that I guess might not be common sense for people, and then you know you want to be ultimately careful when you're dealing with something that mm -hmm. can harm a lot of people. Really. You know, easily accidentally yeah a lot of it is um the, you know a lot of the, like you're talking about things that aren't common sense is a lot of it is cross can uh, cross contamination and like what they call the temperature danger zone and that's you know people leave food out for a, a certain amount of time um you know yeah. and that's where bacteria grows the fastest 
techniques um, of but there's also people like do what their grandmas right. did to be crazy right. scary mm-hmm. yeah people put like leave stuff out on the counter and stuff like that um yeah there's that's a, that's another good one there's also <clears throat> they do talk about um uh, the amount of time that food can sit out on like a buffet and stuff like that. It's like, that's a thing that people don't really think about in the general public. Um, you know, after you can put food out for, I think two hours and then you're allowed to reheat it if you would want to, or if you would have to, you could reheat it up to like 165 and then put it back out for another two hours. But if you leave it out for more than two hours, you're not allowed to reheat it. You like it's done after the, you know, it's done after that time. So, you know, stuff like that. So, I mean, it's definitely important stuff. Um, and it also um, helps you when you're talking to guests too, that might be having parties and um, you know, uh, people sometimes want to take stuff leftovers home from a buffet and stuff like that. And that's really not a legal thing to do. It's not really a good idea because that food's, Technically, as a business owner, you give something like that to somebody, they put it in the backseat of their car, they drive an hour home, they don't hold it at the correct temperature, they put it in their fridge and then try and eat it the next day and get sick, they're going to be thinking it's your fault, you know? So you kind of cover in your butt on some of the stuff too. Right. That kind of overall insight lets you know what kind of practices not to do because, like you say, then it can look like something happened when, or actually it did happen, but it was, you know, not intentionally, but consequence of a mm-hmm. problem. Yeah. All right. So, um, I guess the, I was leading up to that to say, do you think, do you, what do y'all think? We all eat at restaurants. So it's, you know, it doesn't matter what side of the house you're from. Um, do you think that service people, I don't want to say should, because that's lame. But do you think that there should be or that there could be an option for like an increased rate of pay or some sort of a bonus or some sort of a, a perk for having emergency training as a service person, you know, CPR or more? I think it's a great idea. I Like a tax perk or maybe like, I don't know, some kind of an extra day off once in a while paid by the government. Well, somehow a perk so that the... There's, paid by the employer so that they have more confident mm-hmm. use for their customers. Right. Well, there is something that sort of <clears throat> sort of mimics that a little bit, and that's a program called um, TIPS, um, and it's for servers and bartenders, um, and it's a training program that um, helps you them. Um, you say TIPS? What's that? You TIPS. <laughs> yeah. TIPS help, too. This is a family show. Geez. Um and what it is is it's a program that uh, um, uh, trains people, trains servers and bartenders to recognize people that are intoxicated, so they don't overserve. And um, if you go through that program, you have enough of your staff go through that program. I think it actually helps your, um, it can help your insurance as a business owner, uh, your liability insurance because you're not, you know, it shows that you, you're trying to. Um, you know, not overserve and 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 not have your patrons in danger of you know whatever if they're if they're drunk. So, um, but I don't think there's anything like that for. Um, we did have a server on. We did have a server on staff that was an EMT for a while. That was actually really nice. Um, that was kind of cool to know. Um, I don't think we have anybody now, and it is probably something that would. I don't know if it 
should be required, but it is a would be a pretty cool thing to sort of mandate as a as a business owner that you know you have somebody around that can handle some of the you know first can be like the I guess first responder I guess or something like that you know in case something happens because a lot of crazy stuff happens in restaurants and bars and nightclubs man it's a nut house. What do you guys think about the same question since you won't answer that you since y'all refuse to answer that question what do you think of the same question applied to shooting ranges and gun shops i think it would be a bonus i mean i know if i was an owner and i owned a range i think that would be um something you could set up i mean just you know just like you said give them a day off or something if they take the training and you know, it, it, I don't know if you'd advertise. I mean, it'd probably be a benefit to advertise it as well. You know, well, yeah, I think, I'd be yeah, like, I think all, so. All our crew is trained medical person. <clears throat> I think that'd just be cool no matter what your job. I mean, as long as any kind yeah. of service industry, right? And even if it's a yeah. store selling shoes, that would be a benefit, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. And as an employee, I mean, it's pretty cool to, honestly, I mean, I, you know, I'm getting a little older now, but like when I was younger, um, you know, if they say, Hey, we're going to give you, we're going to give you two paid days to go do a class. And, you know, that, that that's pretty cool. You know, if you're in your, you know, your early twenties or whatever, like, cool, a couple days off and I get paid for it and I get some really cool knowledge, you know, can't beat that. Anybody considering putting, basically emergency medicine into their budget for both time and money. Are you talking about as a business, as for medicine for a business? No, no. Um, for uh, real life, like as a accompanying your CCW, whatever CCW training you've got. We've got aspects oh. of CCW training, right? Like there's actual marksmanship and there's like the mindset tactics type of you know, strategy of an actual gunfight. You can learn every, you know, all different kinds of levels there. And then there's your legal uh, training and knowledge and stuff. Uh, and, you know, all kinds of different ways. So the medical training, is that something that anybody's considering or? I've, your... Yeah, I have actually been searching. Uh, I, I believe it was one of, one of your chats a uh, month or so ago about doing the looking or it might have been even sarge or somebody talking about it and i was looking at the homeland security supposedly they put out training and i called <laughs> I, I posted it on on uh, gun channels that i'd called uh, my local gun shops i called the fire department i called the police department i called two different ambulance services and i called uh, the department of homeland security all in one day I didn't get any answers, but I'm sure somebody, I'm on some list now. But I was trying to find, you know, trauma training, um, even the, the local uh, ambulance service, you know, they're trying to push me around and get, get me to uh, one of their trainers or somebody that they actually have, you know, put out courses and stuff. But I never got a response from either, either place. So but I'm still looking. That sucks. Yeah, we, you know, I got the community college and stuff. I'm sure they've got to have something. 
that everybody's directing you to the Red Cross. And I called the Red Cross and they says, well, we don't have that, you know, the lady I spoke with, we don't have that training, but we do sell the equipment to take that kind of training, you know, where, where you can buy a kit, a trauma kit. Um, and so that's basically all I got from, from the lady I spoke with. Um, but she didn't have any direction as far as where to actually go, you know, for, you know, I, not EMT. I don't want all the extra stuff. It was just, you know, like stop the, stop the blood or whatever they call that course. Or it's just, just for, you know, trauma training. But I don't know if that's a normal thing or if people that go for the trauma training is actually going for, you know, a lot more, more in depth stuff like you know like with the ride arounds and all that kind of stuff but yeah. that's a lot of dead air so i don't know yeah. oh okay i thought it was me i was like shaking my phone so sorry Nope, just got that air. So training's falling flat. So that's what happens usually. Most people aren't that interested in it. And let's see, we've got some chat there happening. I'm out here. DB Cooper's out there. Let's see what his theory is on training right now. Um, some communities, general relativity, saying some community co colleges offer EMT courses and you can take them for significantly less, if not for credit certification. Well, I never thought about that. That's how I took mine. I needed credits to do things at school, and that was enough credits to blow past a level or whatever, and it worked for my science or something that I needed. So, uh, and it was super interesting to me. So I took that class, and uh, without really intending to do it as a career, and I kind of thought about it. I never really intended to, but um, I never thought about doing it without the accreditation and stuff. I mean, you can certainly not take the test I was talking about, and that saves you some money. But so if you're just basically going in and saying that you want to take the course just to learn the stuff, but you're not taking yeah, it. Yeah, I'm not sure if they would let you. That's the thing. Maybe if you were already in EMT and you wanted to get a refresher, they might. But the thing is, there's certain things, I think, liability-wise, that they might have an issue with, like, I'm going to show you how to do all these weird things and give you the, like, techniques to portray yourself as a trained person you know that might i know that totally totally separate off of the um off of the medical thing but i know that the gunsmithing um there's three different certification levels there's a college i don't know about an hour away from here a little community college that does a, a pretty decent gunsmithing course uh by all accounts i haven't i haven't had the opportunity to take it but um, and I know that once you've gone through that, you have to go through all three levels that you can actually go, they allow you to come back and retake it at any time at, at actually no charge. That makes sense. Oh, As a refresher, I could see them wanting you to be current, right? Or and maybe. a lot of, and a lot of people I know that have taken it because the whole process, you build a custom rifle through that, through that process. And a lot of people go back just to just to use the equipment to build a, you know what I'm saying, to build another coastal rifle. I just wonder if you could go to a, you know, a, a professor or something and say, okay, I, you know, I'd like to do this a la carte. I just want, you know, 
this and this kind of thing. I don't need the Uh, I don't know, tricky out of me and all that other yeah, so most advanced of stuff. most of the at least if I'm trying to remember now, but most of the EMT stuff was like one prerequisite class, which was like a semester, and then a whole bunch of stuff that all required that first prerequisite class. So it was structured in a way that you weren't really going to just take an EMT course out of the curriculum as a an elective. You they pretty much kept to ourselves to ourselves. And classes were small and stuff. But um, once you got in there, you could decide to go this way or that way a little bit. Because some people that are going to like paramedic or nurse might want to do something a little different than someone who's going wilderness EMT. Uh, which they might be doing towards being a fireman or a cop or something and just getting some credential you know, towards a, a different type occupation. But... Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. And you might be able to, well, a lot of the um, EMT classes are taught by fire people, like firemen. So, fire people. So, you can I even uh, called the do fire a ride department. I was going to say do a ride along, and then if you get, you know, if be friends with some firemen, then you might be able to sit in on the class if you're really just looking for knowledge. Because most of the time, EMT classes are pretty small. I mean, unless maybe you're in a big town or something. I bet you those classes are all pretty tiny. Yeah. I'm definitely going to look into it. So going back to gunsmithing, what's if you were going to counsel a youngin today, when do kids start worrying about college? Junior year? Sophomore, junior? Completely depends on the child. My my youngest one was pretty much locked in and dedicated, knew where she was going to go, what she was going to do summer between eighth grade and high school. And then she knew pretty much exactly what she had to do throughout her high school career to make it happen. Because you only gave her one option, she's going to be a lawyer. She, no, no. But, yeah, she had her college picked out according to her um studies you know and then you know it was one of the best rated and then the uh, job rate upon graduation there she had looked into all of that she did all this homework herself i don't think i don't i don't think most kids are that way i think most of the kids that are prepared enough to not fall off a track are probably that way but uh yeah most it's probably maybe sophomore year um Junior year, I would say the, the the vast majority probably start junior year thinking about it. Okay, so a young Flippy or a young Zorro comes up to you and asks, should I go into this to the gun industry? What are you going to counsel that young, viable mind, that young person? I, th I think so. I think, yeah, Heck because... yeah. <laughs> I think because I think a couple things. Okay, let's let's look at this from, you know, the same way if they were a fantabulous football player uh, through their high school career and then got you know took taken into college and whatever and and you know you got to look at alternatives, right? Because you know anything can happen in whatever career it you know, that you might choose. Anything can happen, and so you got to look at the possibility of alternatives with that. And one thing with gunsmithing that is uh, is an alternative is machine work. 
And regardless of, um, the, you know, what you're, what you're turning or, or, you know, fashioning or building or whatever, the operation of the, um, the machining tools and stuff like that, I think is a, is a marketable skill in various other careers. So I think that with, with very little learning curve that would translate over. And the reason I say that is the best gunsmith that I know is not the best gunsmith because of his knowledge on necessarily on firearms. It's his skill with machining. He could literally run his machines and duplicate and make parts and fit parts and things like that. It's just amazing. Some of the stuff he can do. Yeah, definitely running a, a mill or a CNC or whatever. I mean, that also falling along with uh, like the mechanical drafting. I'm sure they don't just do it from uh, memory. You, know, you got to be able to read prints and, you know, measurements, all that stuff. So, yeah. Okay, so you guys, so far, we got two yeses to a youth to go into the gun industry and you both sent them towards uh, engineering slash, well, not so much engineering, but machinery, um, machinist, being a machinist, I can, I'm just going to assume you also meant engineering. Yeah. You know, whatever gets programmed into that machine. Well, yeah, that, that plays into it some, sure. So, or if they're uh, an artist, you know. I mean, I guess there's definitely fewer machinists or fewer engineers than there are machinists designer engineers but uh we won't even get into the fact that you're just describing two uh occupations that are almost exclusively male so you're probably not trying to be sexist but you're sexist no but uh you went both to machining what about all the other aspects of the firearms industry well, and well i was just i was just highlighting you know as it directly relates to you know, gunsmithing. I was just highlighting one that I think is a is a rarer, or I guess a rarer skill to have is you know how to operate all of that machinery. And also, you picked uh, two two little you know Zorro and and Flippies. So <laughs> the, you, right. if you would have said a little you know Angelina or something, but you know artistic wise, you know there's making stocks, there's design work, there's a lot of stuff that. You know, I mean, we don't like sticking around with all the same old boring stuff. So, yeah. you know, if they're, if they're, you know, artistic and they're good at, at form and design or working with their hands, making, you know, carving stuff, you know, wood wise or even clay. I mean, you know, you don't drive a car before it's made out of clay, mm -hmm. you know, so there, there's a lot of different design aspects that, that, and. You know, let alone the fun of being a an instructor or something. And for Angelina, there's always the gun bunny and the booth babe. No, wait, I thought I was on mute. I'm sorry, I didn't say that. Oh boy. <laughs> Girls, That's a touchy subject with with pancakes. He's after my my bunny in the AK. No. Uh -oh. hey, mm -hmm. That patch, yeah. Yeah. You gotta get G to do more of those for AK April. Right. That's my favorite. That's the coolest patch. So what, oh, Gene? What other facets of the of the industry were you thinking? 
I mean, there's a lot, right? Everything sure. from where do you want to go? I mean, you guys kind of went from the beginning. So I guess you've got your something before engineering would be, you know, feet on the ground, hands on the triggers uh, type of jobs where people figure out what needs to be made next, like what's lacking, what roles are not being filled or something. So there's that kind of job, of course. Like an R&D. Oh, no, I meant like being a cop or a military guy or oh, just oh, a computer okay. or, you know, an, an enthusiastic um, uh, person in the, you know, just a participant in some sort of anything. You know, somebody who who demands the innovation take place. And then you guys were talking about, like, the engineers and the machinists who create the new thing or the, you know, make the things. But then, of course, there's the distribution and the marketing and then the actual sales and then the ranges that they shoot those things at mm -hmm. they shoot ammunition and then there's all the different uh other adjacent industries that pop up right. you know to support it and then i don't know the second amendment advocacy thing you know there's a couple of i don't know if you guys weren't at the gun rights policy conference it might have been tough especially with my like rogue podcast just uh in the back of, with audio, but there's quite a few youngins in the uh, uh, advocacy movements, uh, gun advocacy movements of various types. So, you know, that's, that's a potential and they can be funded. You know, there's gun owners rights groups that are uh, funding the, whatever her name is in Texas, who's driving all around doing the, the thousands of miles of driving in Texas, you know, boots on the ground, getting people active at the community level. So, I mean, that's literally a career. Uh, then there's of course lobbyists and that kind of thing that have, has to be done um so i'm thinking there's all kinds of potential but oftentimes when we have these live discussions and we're not you know focused we're just chatting people pretty are pretty pessimistic and you know talk about how you know especially if we're talking industry stuff we'll talk about how pessimistic and companies are sucking and the products are weak and you know going out of business and laying off people so is it, is it bad advice to say go into the 2a industry to the youths and ghost has I a am, link he should be sleeping i i'd be curious to see because i really don't know um what the pay is in certain jobs in the industry um you know i mean restaurants and stuff it varies from town to town huge you know a lot um I'm sure it does with every other in industry too. Like guns wouldn't be different. I mean, the guy that works does one job in Texas isn't going to make the same amount at that job in Oklahoma, probably, or or you know, Pennsylvania. I've seen some stuff from the NSSF. The guns, the gun industry, you know, the low end, like Ellis, somebody's working at like a local gun shop level is probably making one hundred seventy-five thousand a year. So you know, it's not very much. Not like, <laughs> <clears throat> and all the free. Three guns they can carry twice a week, right? Wow. I think the average median income for my area of the country is like twelve grand <laughs> or something. I was just trying to make him feel bad with his pancaking. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta flip faster, man. But I you know, I know we looked at at one time we I know we looked at a at a fairly prestigious, it seemed like, gunsmithing school that uh and it was on a daily gun show quite some time ago. So I can't even recall. Is that in Colorado? Even remotely. Um, seemed like maybe it was in Arizona, but I don't I don't remember exactly. But anyway, it's uh, Dragon Man. Um, 
the we kind of went through the curriculum and stuff on that and there was all kinds of well, you know business plans and all kind of weird stuff like that that you wouldn't necessarily think would relate to gunsmithing but in the grand scheme of things if you were going to try to open your own business or something like that it, it certainly plays a big role but that could also come in handy for you know a job a job skill working for somebody you're uh, saying in, like, in a totally different industry you're saying like the basics of the like just running a business basics you can't just even in the gun industry you have to know the basics of running a business stuff you're saying. sort of yeah yeah so that could transfer that could translate into some other like i said field or industry potentially at least get your foot in the door have you guys this is just a question oh, i don't know how if there's any way to even know i mean i i don't i'm trying to think now that i'm even asking it do you think that people get into the gun industry and then go into other industries or that people get in the gun industry and they found a home and they're done unlike you know like some people will be a plumber and get sick of it and then they're a tennis pro or something, and then they get sick of it, and they're installing color TV or satellite TVs or something. Most I have experience with stay in it. People yeah, I know, I, people that I I know anyway, they've stayed they've stayed with they moved around, you know, moved up, moved down, you know, in a sense of they wanted more free time or you know more time off or whatever the case case may be. They've moved up and down the ladder, so to speak, but. Uh, most have stayed with it in some way. Yeah, I, th I think it's got such a there's a such a wide variety of things in the firearm industry that you know I I believe they would stay in it, but you know you could go from you know sales in one part to you know being an outfitter in Montana, you know mm -hmm. working for yourself and not have to you know so I mean stress wise and whatever I'm sure there's a lot of lateral things that are you know crazy as far as you know the differences between them so i don't think you know especially if they enjoy it and it's a passion and it's not just oh this is just what i got stuck doing mm. i think they would stick with it they would just you know possibly you know grow with it go more to the advocate side and whatever you know there's a lot of movement i'm sure as long as they're passionate about it and it's not just, oh, this is just the job that, you know, my dad made me go do right. or something. And I think it's easy. I think with the, with the multiple facets that are in the, um, in the firearm industry, I think it's real easy to, to become and stay passionate about it. Cause it just, it's, it's, it's a never boring situation. You can always look at things and, and from various perspectives, from the self-defense, the competition, the hunting, you know, whatever the, you know, the, uh, what am I thinking? Oh, heck, the advocacy, uh, Second Amendment advocacy, you know, angle. There's just so, so many ways you can come at different things and different projects and different careers. Lasers on sharks. There you go. I don't know. Renewable, <laughs> renewable ammunition. That's the next new thing. Because I mean that that goes with any industry. I mean, if you're you're a race car driver, you know, when you're ninety years old, you might want to do something a little different. But you know, if that's what you like, you're gonna mm -hmm. collect or tell young people what to do. 
Well, and a lot of those go from driving. There, they go from a lot of them go from you know pit crew to maybe mechanic to driving to you know yeah owning to company man to you know they they really run schools and Mm -hmm. right. Well, I guess too. Like as I'm thinking about it, you know, the firearms industry doesn't even necessarily have to be like a business or a store or something like there's a lot of people that that do it on a personal level where they they hit estate sales and they buy and trade and sell and do all that kind of stuff just on their own too so i mean you could kind of be your own little firearms industry nowadays i mean there's laws and everything and play by the rules but people do it as a hobby but sometimes it you can make I'm sure good money doing it. Yeah, I'm still leaning towards the outfitter. I think that's a good job. I might try for that. Yeah, that can be fun. Get to meet a lot of new people. We get a lot of interesting stories. <laughs> I mean, because you could do it firearms and, you know, fishing. I mean, it, would de- it depends on the location. I mean, there's so much. Right. Know, Yep. Yep. I mean, the travel the travel is cool. There's I know I've got a couple of people that are I know in that, that sector of it and it's it's an interesting thing. It it's it's honestly it's more of a young man's game. Not or I say young man's game, it's not really a family man's game. Because uh, depending on what aspect of it you're in. Let me back up. Depends on what aspect of it you're in. But um you know, you're away from home a lot with that stuff. Unless you move to uh, Texas and buy a helicopter to go shoot hogs. Well, but I mean, but then how does that help if you're, you know, if you're doing a multifaceted game and somebody oh. wants to hunt, you know, uh, goats or something, you know, you're, you know, there you go. You're off to some other place. I guess you can use your helicopter to get there, I suppose. Still a need for it. Helicopters aren't uh, challenging enough anymore, so I'll take an yeah. airplane and uh, hot air balloon. No, then I'll jump out with a parachute and then uh, hunt on the way down in the parachute. I say, I say that they take a biplane and they strap you to the wing, old school styly. And you gotta, they just circle and you gotta shoot them. That's. Or you get one of those little bat suits that you just. Skydiving, yeah, wingsuit, like a flu, like a big flying squirrel. Drop a squirrel with a Glock, and you're just flying down and take out targets on the. Except that every time you went to like shoulder the rifle, you'd start to fall, like just straight fall. You'd have to like (laughs) shoot really fast and then start gliding again. You know, there's some, there's, they're so bad here that this is, you know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm making fun of some of the methods, of course, but there's so many here I could certainly see this being done put up a zip line and then bait them in and then just fly down the zip line as you shoot them yeah there might be some uh, uh kickback at some of the, the kind of ideas so what about sure. what do they call that what's that chair where you sit on that bench and there's ropes and it takes you to the top of the mountain to go skiing yeah that's a ski lift isn't it yeah 
take one of them just across some area, put a bunch of salt licks under it. Right. <laughs> All right. So, um, Seven Wonders on the YouTube side is saying, please ask the panel. Now, there's no question mark here, so I don't know what ask the panel part of it, but um, we'll figure it out. I've been considering starting a one on one intro to pistols class for scared newbies who are interested in guns but are too insecure to take the plunge. For folks who are hesitant to take a formal class with a bunch of other people. So, is he asking if he should, or I'm not sure what the question part is. It sounds like he's he. It sounds like he wants to start his own little class, right? Yeah, but a one. I said go for it. Well, do you need any kind of? Sorry, Cole. Yeah, I think it's going to depend on a couple things. With that, first of all, the one-on-one. I get the premise. Um. The idea, I think, is awesome. Um, I think the application is going to require some thought, and depending on where you live and the state and the city and the range you're working with or whatever it might be, I think there's some logistical information there that, that's going to be hard to figure out exactly how to, how to pull that off in a way that's not going to set you up for liability issues and stuff like that. Um, that said, the one, the one problem... I'm seeing with that is if you're if you're talking about doing this as a semi sort of charitable thing to just help people out, then that's one thing. Um, you know, I don't know. We were kind of talking careers there for a little while, <laughs> um, and being one on one, there's a reason these uh, instructors have multiple people in their classes is to make it worth their time to to spend with them. So. Um, it's doubtful anybody that's going to be so scared of, of guns and, you know, that hesitant or anything like that is going to spend big bukus of money to get introduced to something that they're scared about, if that makes any sense. It's almost like it's a catch-22 situation to me, so definitely requires some thought. That means to throw anything out there. So I don't know how ambitious you are, but if you want to become an NRA instructor, um, I forget what the levels are because I did. <clears throat> to be efficient, you do stuff all at once. If you're with NRA instruction, there's a lot of steps, and there's a lot of steps, but you can be efficient. And if your goal is to get, like ours, to get to be a CCW instructor for the state of Arizona, uh, we wanted to get, or we need, I don't know if we needed or if we just decided to get um, whatever it was, personal protection outside the home. And for an NRA, I think it was you have to be an NRA basic pistol instructor. Then you have to be a basic or you have to be a uh, uh, personal protection inside the home instructor, which is a second class. And then a third class, personal protection outside the home. So one of them is like an introduction to pistols. And teaching that to be an instructor, you're taking an NRA class that, excuse me, teaches you how to be an instructor. Uh, and then you teach a class, you learn how to be an instructor on a class that teaches people how to use guns defensively, kind of period. But like it's called inside the home because there's no tactics at all to it. It's just using a gun defensively, very little law even, if I remember right. And then you do a third class, you learn how to teach personal protection outside the home and then it's like more involved kind of like a ccw class 
But if your goal was to get to that third level of NRA instruction or whatever, that third qualification or all three qualifications, um, you don't need to take them all in order. You can kind of stack them. So to be efficient, we were taking quite a bit of stuff that weekend. I explained that because it took us a weekend to accomplish all three of those classes. And it was one of the most dull weekends ever because it's very, very, very basic. And you're teaching people how to learn at like a sixth grade level. So it's really, really basic stuff for a long time. And it's it's interesting, but it's difficult to deal with. I'm sure Clover has stories about that. But then uh, when you're done with that, you can offer what they call NRA. It's not even basic pistol. It's just an NRA handgun class thingy that they offer. And it's like the, the handouts are like $10 or less, maybe $5 for a little booklet. As an NRA instructor, you have access to their uh, manuals and their educational like brochures and whatever, pamphlets and things. So you can just order these uh, basic handgun little things. And they're meant to be literally like a five-minute discussion at the gun shop across the, the table or across the counter with someone who's never touched a gun before. After that, like five or ten minutes, they're comfortable with how it operates, how to take it apart and clean it, and then how to eventually get to the range and shoot it. It's not like a full pistol class or nothing, but it's the basics. So it sounds like that's what you're looking for is that that class. Um, I wouldn't try to use the NRA course materials because they get all antsy about it like anyone would if they're producing course materials and offering it to their people. If Are you saying that you don't think... Uh, you're going to be taking all that. Let's see. Well, that's kind of what I had said out there was, you know, I would think, I would think that in order to get, in order to have some legitimacy, I would think that you would at least probably need the basic pistol. You would need something, right? Well, um, that's what I was going to say. You could probably take not, that I mean, it, class. Yeah, some, something, right? Or just the basic pistol, though. But yeah. the thing is, if you, let's say, that's why I explained all that. If you were going to take NRA basic pistol, it's probably like nine hours of class, seriously, because you're going to get a credential from the NRA that is legitimate across the whole country. There's a reason the NRA training is as solid and as like foundational as it is because it's freaking foundational. So they want to make sure you know what you're talking about. And they, they train you thoroughly. I mean, you, there was people that walked in there that never taught anything before, and they walked out able to teach a class with this kind of, um, you know, in, uh, necessity to, like, safety and everything, like, with this kind of seriousness. Like, they do a really good job of training you, but it's super long. Now, if you're going to take nine hours to be NRA certified in basic history, it might be, like, ten hours to be certified in inside the home, and it might be 11 hours to be certified in outside the home. So in other words, you're going to take eight hours of class. It might be the difference between eight hours and 11 hours, and now you're certified in two levels higher of NRA certification. And that's why I explain all that, because if you're going to take eight hours, just make sure that you can't, that there's not an opportunity to just like stay an extra hour and then have two certs out of the thing, out of the yeah, effort. Right. Make sure you can't stack. Yeah. I have a question. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, we've all pretty much, you know, taken like a buddy to the range or something like that that's never shot before. Um, you, know, you take a friend to the range, you shoot a little bit, you kind of show them the ropes, whatever. Um, I feel like that's a lot. Are you chewing on your mic? <laughs> I feel like that's a lot different than 
um, sort of promoting yourself as a trainer or something. Um, you know, if something would go wrong with somebody, whether it's even if it's not with you at that moment, but like afterwards, you know, say they're on their own for the first time at the range and they have an accident, accident and they get injured, you know, they're going to want to possibly point the finger at you as a trainer, right? I mean, where, where are you as far as legal standpoints when you, you know, if you would start calling your, calling your business a training business or something without having any kind of credentials, could you do that? Or is that worrisome? Yeah, you, would, you would, you would, in on a situation to where you were just with a buddy or just somebody else at the range and you're like, Hey, you know, uh, you know, proper form is this or this and try this right. or act the slide this way or something. That's no different than being in the hardware store and going, Oh man, this is the most awesome hammer ever. This is the one I use for contracting. And then they go out roofing and they break their thumb and decide they're going to sue you because you recommended a hammer that it's right. there. There's some protections there in that, you know, that's just people talking and, you know, mm -hmm. Um, but if you're putting it out in a light that, you know, especially if somebody's paying you for that instruction, right. um, then I'm not saying that any, that, you know, you're, I'm not saying first of all, that, that, that the odds of that happening, I don't know that they're, that they're super great. Um, and then I don't know that they could get, if you're teaching properly and you haven't, especially if you, you design an established curriculum for that, um, then I don't think I think you're going to be covered as far as civil liability and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, having having some type of a credential background is going to help, and with that credential background, it's going to be easier and cheaper to get some type of a general liability insurance that could help. Because let's say somebody just makes a a crazy frivolous claim and you get a crap judge or something, right? Um, well, at least you've got at least you've got insurance you can fall back on at that point. Yeah. Um, and oh, we're overthinking it a lot. I think this is it, a, he's trying to inform people that are just getting curious or whatever. He's not taking people to a tactical training class. So if they're not, if they're going to try to sue him for, well, this guy showed me, you know, how a gun works. And then I got into a gunfight and I didn't know how to get out. You're like, no judge is going to say like, yep, this is the guy. That's like saying my friend showed me how his stick shift worked and I got a flat tire. I got it driver hit me you know like yeah like a karate like self-defense studios and stuff like how many people have still gotten robbed and mugged and all that and i wonder how many have sued the, their self-defense place right their karate dojo or whatever like i don't think that's really a thing for my introductory like free class and i still got mugged but anyway so but the thing is the like what clover touched on with the curriculum that's the nice thing about the nra thing and um you might even be able to start out by um doing the range training thing uh safety officer yeah well i was going to say safety officers is really cheap and it's really, really fast to take and that gets you access to their correct to their stuff but that's a shortcut so i would say maybe work with another uh, nra instructor and uh the other thing is do a little bit of marketing first i wouldn't go invest in nra training. i think it was like five hundred dollars to get the nra training. so it might have been like four hundred dollars because it's you're taking eight hours of their time and that's why i was talking about stacking them because if you're going to be there for eight hours you're still going to pay like four hundred dollars to get basic pistol and it was probably like five hundred dollars to get you know personal protection inside and outside the home because it was only like a couple extra hours and like a different range thing or two but um anyhow so uh if you're gonna do all that maybe 
test the waters first, make sure that there's people interested because, uh, you know, you might be able to just arrange something with a local, somebody who's already an NRA instructor, and you could just do the work of, like, setting it up, you know, like finding the people, getting them together, and then bringing that person over, and then you don't need to necessarily go get instructed. Now, if it becomes, like, 50 people show up and he's like, I need help, then, you know, go get some training and help them out. Almost hey, like, what, a lead, what like a lead generator is what you're getting at. Yeah. You know, in other words, you don't have to do the whole thing yourself. If you want to be active and be part of it, then don't try to take on the training. Just find a trainer also. If you're going to look for students, go look for an instructor too and just get be the coordinator of it all. I was I'm just sure going to say with, with the, what Clover had said about the, you know, how, how many new new people that might be scared and want to get into it are going to dump a lot of money into training you could also market that as to other people that are already shooters that have, you know, houses or whatever that, you know, it's not good to, that they take to train their spouses or whatever. So you can actually, you know, you could market it to helping out that way. You know, then it's, you know, you're pulling from people that, you know, Hey, this is, this is going to benefit me if my wife starts shooting or, my my loser boyfriend starts shooting, you know, and starts whatever. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> there's there's definitely people out there that I think would take advantage of it, you know. Um, uh, I was watching a thing not long ago, uh, and it was um, they set up a they had an indoor gun range and they were pulling people off the street that were anti-gun <clears throat> or afraid of guns or you know, whatever, didn't like guns for some reason or another and bringing them in and giving them the opportunity to shoot. And um, it was cool because everybody seemed to have a, a good time. A couple, There was a couple and then there was an, a woman and, an, and a, um, a, a guy. And the, the couple really enjoyed shooting but said that they didn't think they would ever buy a gun. The woman really enjoyed it and said that she thinks she would like to do it again. But the guy was really interesting because he had never shot before. Uh, he was a black gentleman and uh, lived in a city and had bought a gun because he felt like he wanted to buy a gun for protection. But literally, he said he put it in the – he. I don't think he even ever loaded it. It was like still in the original box in the drawer, and he was kind of afraid. to. He didn't know what to do with it. He would never shot a gun before. He was really apprehensive about it, and he was kind of scared of it and didn't know what to do. So he just randomly got, you know, asked by these people to go in and shoot one time and he loved it. And he was like, Oh, this is so great. Um, I'm so glad this happened. He's like, now I feel like I can go home and, you know, I, I can, you know, start to learn how to, you know, shoot and learn my weapon, learn the gun, whatever. So that was a pretty interesting thing. Cause it was so random, but, um, it was such a cool thing to see happen because this guy was literally scared to like, he even said, he was like, Oh, I was really afraid. I didn't know what to do. I was just so scared of the gun. Um, and that kind of gave him a, gave him a chance to, you know, get a head start on it. It's kind of what he's talking about. I didn't, uh, I actually wanted to bring that up on the show the other week. It was pretty cool. Um, and there's a few of those things out there. There's lots. I mean, there's videos on YouTube all over YouTube about, you know, liberals shooting guns and all that kind of stuff. But um, this one was really different than any of the ones I've seen before because of that one dude. 
Go ahead. I was just going to say, wasn't he the one that said he was going to, he was actually thinking about bringing the, the pistol back in the case to the gun shop or something? Maybe. I, I don't know. I, like that, it's been back. a, it's been a while since I saw it. Yeah. And I mean, I could describe the guy to you, but that it was probably wouldn't do you any good. <laughs> I was just about to start describing the guy, but, <clears throat> um, but it was neat. Cause he was like, you could tell him he was like, literally like kind of thankful that this happened because he was like, yeah, like you said, if that's the same one you saw, yeah, he was, he didn't want anything to do with it. He bought it and he's like, Oh shit. Now what do I do with this thing? You know? Um, you know, so seven wonders is kind of talking about being the guy that can maybe be that stepping stone from, I think I need a gun and I kind of want to buy one, but I got nobody to show me what to do. You know, I mean, I grew up, you know, lots of us grew up, you know, five, eight years old shooting our first gun. And it just becomes like a thing where you're like, you know, we would go up to camp and that's it. I would go into camp. I would go into the cabinet, get my 22, grab like two or three boxes of, you know, rounds and 22 long rifle. And yeah, I would just go through the woods and shoot, or I'd set up stuff out in the yard and shoot. And it was just, you know, it wasn't anything weird. It was just how it was, but not a lot of people like, are like that. And sometimes I don't know. I mean, a lot of people are afraid to uh, ask questions. You know, they're afraid to ask stupid questions, especially with firearms, because they're such a um, it's kind of can be I'm sure it can be like really imposing for people. I mean, it happens to a lot of I, mean, I don't say a lot of us, but it happens with me, too. Like if I'm somewhere like. You know, if I don't know something like sometimes you're afraid to ask because you don't want people to think you don't know what the hell you're talking about or you're you know you're a newbie or something um and that's what's so nice about these chats is it promotes people being open and just sort of asking anything because you know it's kind of a it's kind of a little it's our little gun guy safe space i guess <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I that was... And then it turns into safe spaces in here. Yep, I turned it into a safe space. But it's a good safe space. It's a gun safe space where you're allowed to ask any kind of gun question without feeling bad about it. All right. Well, it's been pretty slow on the gun channel site tonight. Not sure why. A bunch of people had links over there. They weren't taking us up on them. And our activity on the YouTube side tonight. Seven people over there stole the show, so I guess that's okay. Um, you bet. Thanks for the questions. Do some wonders out there. And remember, there's like, if Ghost was here, he'd say, turn on a camera, because you can do a lot with a video. You can reach a lot more people with a video. People are there's some number of people who are interested, and then there's some number of people who will actually follow through and go to a range with some amount of prodding. And, you know, somewhere in between there is the number of people that will experience it for the first time watching a video. A video you can pull out your phone, you know, turn on a TV at a party or something and, and show people. You can have multiple videos to address or talk to different types of people in different ways. Um, so... Think of uh, thinking of using the the multimedia and the, the methods that we've got to post info, and then 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That video or whatever it is that you've got out there 
is cooking and it's it's available for people and every minute that it's on the internet it's growing in in uh time on on the internet so it's getting more and more um what's the word i'm looking for more time on the clock which makes it more uh appealing <coughs> to searches and stuff so uh even if you're gonna even if you're gonna be taking people to the range ultimately in person that that online stuff can supplement it so highly encourage you to consider doing some stuff online and, and putting your your curriculum or your, your your stuff up there as a way to get people interested and then also again so that it's out there what's nice about the online thing too is it can be sort of anonymous for people you know so if you are sort of apprehensive about say again no obligation too. They don't have to spend any time or any effort other right. than watching. They can pause in the middle. They can yep. close the laptop if their spouse comes in who hates guns or something. Mm -hmm. Well, that and uh, you know, I mean, when you're when you're on, if you're online too, it's you can really porn. take some. It's just porn. <laughs> <laughs> you can really take some time to ask the question the way that you want to, and not just you know be nervous about talking to somebody face to face about something. If you're a little apprehensive or, or, or nervous, you know, you can take some time, take a couple of minutes, think about how you want to word that question, put that question on the comment section and, you know, start a conversation and not, and, not be so uh, weird about it. And your point of view can be totally different. I mean, my, you know, I never thought of doing videos, you know, too. Mm -hmm. Now they can't get rid of me. <laughs> like, like a weed those, uh, yeah weed or i was thinking a bug but yeah yeah pretty close. <laughs> <clears throat> but you know it's it's uh i don't know i enjoy it you know, I, two years ago i would have never thought i'd been you know, talking with these guys for sure no yeah me either i mean i don't you know the same way i mean yeah. Well, <clears throat> most people, I think, most, mo I think one of the things that the biggest problem is most people think like, well, who the hell is going to want to listen to me or who's going to want to talk to me or who's going to care about my opinion. And then you get on and you're like, a lot of people do because a lot of people are in the same boat that you are. And, you know, and that's, that's cool. That's something years ago. There's no way I was going to, I would have suggested I would have been sitting around talking to Marines, but. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> But that's I, I tell my daughter that where she sits in class if she, if she's got a question I'd say you got to ask because you know and she's a kid of course she's gonna say you know I, I don't want to ask I don't want to look stupid but knowing full well half the kids in the class have that same question so yeah yeah I mean that's, that's good point that's cliche everybody says that but it, it, a reason it's cliche is because it's true. So Yoder on the YouTube side is telling Seven Wonders, someone may have already mentioned this, but get credentials to hold concealed carry classes. You'll get lots of people coming to the class that you can talk to about your pet project. I'll just throw in there, just go hang out at CCW classes. Um, you can. We've talked about auditing a, a training class before, but tra uh, sitting in on the CCW class is ultimately easy ultimately easy you don't even have to be creating content online anybody can sit on a ccw class almost always and almost always for free um so that's a great idea going to a concealed carry class you're going to get a lot of like-minded folks but coming from all over the spectrum 
and there's definitely time at a CCW class uh, that there's like you know breaks and things, but definitely when they're shooting, uh, you know everybody's just sitting around waiting for their their time up at the line. So a lot of there probably could be potentially a lot of time to uh, to pick people's brains. So I think that's a great idea. Yeah, there's a <clears throat> that place that I was um, at last week. Seven One Seven Armory does classes. Um, and I want to, I've invited him on the show just to, just to be a guest on the show and talk about his business and whatnot. But, um, I'm thinking maybe I'll, I've never taken a class, so I'm thinking that might be, um, either go over there and, <clears throat> you know, kind of feature it on the show a little bit and sort of get a little, a little, a little bit of the, uh, the class or actually take it. I'm not sure I have to, I haven't gotten that far yet, but it's pretty neat. And it's a saying that it's not a gun-free safe space, it's a gun-safe space. A gun-safe safe space. There you go. No, it's hard no, to say. No, no. A free gun safe space. Uh, free. Oh, so, so like, what, what kind of guns do we get? What do I get? They're free, so it'll just be like a cabinet of them. Probably one of those like wooden cabinets with the glass doors, so as you're, you know, if there's any kind of line, you can be kind of already get an idea of which one you want. And then pretty much maybe, you know, to be Flippy and Bob probably running it. So, you know, whenever one model or make or whatever gets low, Bob will have to go in back and get another one. So there'll probably be a little bit of delay here and there maybe. But, uh, you know, he'll have a selection of maybe, I don't know, 12. How many fit in one of those cases? 12 or 18 couples <clears throat> maybe? I would couple. imagine Bob would get sidetracked pretty quickly too. I figure because we don't know what age people are coming in, we'll probably just do all long guns as far as the, the free guns. Mainly just because, you know, if it's an 18-year-old or something, we don't have to worry about it. Here's a here's a free long gun. Well, if you got any Winchester 94s laying around, I could use one of those. I, I want one of those. They're little, too. I mean, they're not that big, so they don't take up much space. Yeah, thanks, State Seven Wonders. That's what this I would hope <clears throat> things are all about is being able to have an actual conversation out here, use the uh, technology that we've got. And I don't know if I even mentioned it live. I know I've talked to some of the people off air about this, but I maybe recently had a opportunity to to experience a uh, teleconference at a pretty big level, and I uh, haven't done that in a long time since I was at AOL, really. And um, uh, the technology that they were using is a really big, um, whatever entity doing this telemarketing thing with, or not telemarketing, teleconferencing thing with another pretty big entity. And the technology was weak compared to what we've got going on here. So uh, I really like the idea that, you know, I want to use this as much as possible while we still have it. You never know when, you know, Google decides this isn't profitable or useful for them. And uh, they turn it off. But till then, uh, or I guess even probably more imminently, we see some technology like this come around from a gun-friendly platform like GunTube.org or GunStreamer. Then uh, you know that's what it's all about: is having the people that are watching and participating uh, interact with us, and not just us disseminating information out there. 
it's all about getting active. This internet isn't just an, a medium to listen to stuff, right? Everybody's about a whole keyboard in front of you and all them little buttons you can wiggle on your phone all give input back to the machine. It's like we all have the Nielsen box, if you remember that. And uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. if you don't do anything, it just records what you're doing because it's recording what you're doing. There ain't nothing free. We all know that. So it's recording everything you're doing. But when you interact with it, when you influence, you participate and you start to guide the future. So uh, be part of that future. Don't just watch it all happen in front of you in fancy, new, colorful ways. Poke around with your thumb and influence how it comes out. And I uh, appreciate it. So, Clover, what do you got next? Your formatted uh, Friday night show starts tomorrow? Yeah, come 6 o'clock in the morning. That will uh, start rolling, or 6 o'clock my time, anyway. That'll start rolling out, so... Uh, it just depends on what platform you follow on and all that good stuff. But it should by early evening should be across all of them. So that's the uh, first episode of the produced version of Firearm Friday. And I uh, already have two more episodes already in the books, on the schedule, ready to go. So we're we're rolling with that now, finally. Thank God. This is the produced version of the free firearm Friday. There you go. Oh. No, but there is something that's potentially coming down the pipe as far as free firearm. I, won't, I can't give any details away because we haven't hammered everything out on it yet. But uh, yeah, there is something maybe on the horizon, maybe before Christmas, maybe, maybe. Could I say maybe even more? One more time, maybe. So yeah, you just gotta uh, gotta follow and and pay attention. I've got like at least three guns I can think of off the top of my head, maybe even four, more as I think of them that I want to give away. So I'm trying to figure out ways to do it that don't get me like in trouble or lose money because I can't afford to lose money. But, well, the, um, the, the facilitation of it is one way, uh, is the thing that is this last hurdle that I'm trying to, to get hammered down. Um, there's some software, some sites, and some things that are great at handling the facilitation as far as making sure people go and like and subscribe and sign up for a newsletter and that sort of stuff and follow you and, and whatever your criteria is. Uh, it's great for tracking that, and then it's super great when you're able to track that to be able to, to draw a random winner and everything from there. Um, but it costs money, so... Uh, it's about 50 bucks a month, best I can figure, which is insane when you're giving stuff away to have to pay 50 bucks a month to give it away. But um, I think I may be able to get that sponsored in some part. So that's, I kind of run out of days in the week this week. So early next week anyway, I'm really going to have to get on that and try to get that done. Good horse. What do you got going on? How's that I, room going? How's what? How is your room going? I, I every time I see oh, it, I've, I'm I'm I've had to take a break from that because you know the holidays and stuff. So it's warm. You know, there's walls up and everything. It's insulated. It's warm, so it's a good place to work in. But uh, Saturday, I uh, probably have an AR build uh, on gun channels. I'll be doing uh, oh, seven sixty oh. by thirty nine. Oh, okay. okay. We need, we need, uh, that, that'll probably just go on like it'll probably just be an open lobby for everyone to join while I build it and uh, just go on all day Saturday 
Okay, so okay. just after Travis or something. Yeah. Cool. Um, Patriot, you got anything coming up? You sitting on any chats? I try to jump on as many as I can uh, with with the school school hours of daughter being in school and stuff. Some of the late ones are are a little difficult now, but I sit in on on Rick's uh, Wednesday and Saturday. Um, is as many as I can of ghosts on Tuesday. Um, and here, of course, once in a while I'll hop on to, to Sarge's, but you know, I've, I'm even known to jump on midnight range TMs on Sunday night. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, I think to... if that was like an obligation or like a penalty or some sort of like follow through. <laughs> it's, it's charity. No. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I gotta help him out because you know if if otherwise I, I I had a question tonight about making rice noodles and I I I don't know I kind of dropped the ball so. <laughs> you shake my little cup and be like, please, can I have can I have some more viewers, please? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm just trying to close up that uh, blind challenge. And thank you for uh, setting Matt and Yankee straight on the chat. That was that was pretty nice. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, a lot of people probably ask them all kinds of Yahoo crap, so they were probably about to blow it off. I hope I uh, got Yankee. I got through to Yankee. That it was worth doing. Yeah, I, I appreciate it because I I mean I spent uh, four hours on one of Matt's chats. Every other <laughs> comment was you know just subliminal messages about Robotech and doing a blind challenge and didn't help. So <laughs> Did you throw the super chat up today? I threw one up today and I so I over the last week I think I've thrown up three. Two on Yankee and one on Matt. Well today Yankees uh you know either gets five hundred, eight hundred, maybe even thousand people depending on if something's going on. Um, his live chats, and he takes the people that throw money at him through YouTube, which is crazy because YouTube takes like a third of it, 30-something yeah. percent. Anyway, uh, people throw money at him on YouTube, and he takes that, and he devotes it to something, right? So right yeah. now it's uh, buying uh, holiday Christmas presents for uh, kids that are foster kids, and he said uh, with not maybe an emphasis, but definitely to include older kids, teenagers. So uh, that's pretty cool. Yankee dick or whatever, but he's also pretty cool, and uh, <laughs> he's going to make a bunch of money, and he's also an idiot, so he'll take whatever the amount of money that actually comes in on Super Chats. Like, one time he collected a bunch of money, 700 bucks, threw that at gun channels, right? And he gave me $700. He didn't give me the $700 minus the 34%, so he's going to take whatever the people throw at him with Super Chat and give that to kids, plus more, you know, but anyway, that's... Uh, you know, Yankee is doing some stuff over there. He's pretty cool. Um, all right. So Seven Wonders was saying we'll be able to see the comments when you watch the replay of this on YouTube. Yes, because YouTube, you know, has their own platform and they're going to do that. However, I have it set up. I have this channel, uh, Daily Gun Show, on YouTube set up with GunStreamer.com, much better platform that doesn't hate guns it doesn't hate our community it doesn't hate our culture it doesn't hate our property it doesn't hate you every time i post something on stupid youtube it'll automatically go over to a gun streamer for me and then it's available over there now because the youtube isn't 
throwing that part of the, the, the guts over to them. They're just getting the video. You won't be able to see the chat over there because YouTube doesn't bother throwing the chat up as a overlay. That'd be kind of cool. But on the other hand, people would probably bitch if it was an overlay because then it would be covering up their makeup or clothes or whatever how they were doing in their live chat, right? But anyway, you're only going to be able to see the uh, the text chat on replay on YouTube platform. Um, then I was going to go over here and do a gun of the day. We haven't done a gun of the day in a while, but we like to go to the gun channel side, right? Gun channels is a community we built five years ago, and uh, it's gunchannels.com. There's a channel over there called Daily Gun Show, and we... Uh, simulcast the show over there so you don't even have to be on YouTube you could just be watching it over here on gun channels and there's a chat down here on the bottom right and uh, pants down here I think said uh, gun of the day soup can Uzi so let's talk about the soup can Uzi so I don't know if any of you are around whenever I posted this I don't even remember when I posted the video anymore does anybody happen to remember when that happened I don't know anything about a soup can Uzi. I don't know what that I is. Really can't, I can't even go get it because it's on my gun website's channel. So you, post, you posted it like a month ago on GunStreamer, I think. Oh, it's on GunStreamer? Okay, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I posted it originally like a long time ago. Sometimes when I post stuff on GunStreamer, I'll post the date of it originally. So I'm over on GunStreamer looking for it right now. But um, basically, I know a guy who... He's a cool dude. He needs an importer of all kinds of cool stuff. And when he's got a parts kit that's rare, he's got a lot of rare, unique parts, parts kits. He uh, takes his parts kits and he wraps them up with binding, with bailing wire or something to like retain the shape and function sometimes of the original gun. Just, you know, with, on a bogus chassis or a bogus something, you know, to keep like a piece of angle iron sometimes. In this case, I just took a a soup can or a can of tomato sauce actually and cut the top and bottom off and you know sliced it and then kind of bent that piece of metal that I had that into a channel and then use that to wire up all my parts from my Uzi parts kit and like I said this guy use he has all kinds of cool guns all wired up like that and it's really fun to just play around with them because uh, it lets you like I say fiddle with all the little gizmos and parts on these parts kits so I had this Uzi parts kit that still had the ears, the front and sight post, like, you know, guards there. Sometimes those are cut off of parts kits. And uh, I can't put the kit together. And I just don't have the money to put it together. So I wanted to, you know, have it more than just a bunch of stuff in a drawer. So I wrapped it up with this uh, can and a bunch of, what do you call it, just wire. It's actually tr tr uh trap wires that green and yellow wire you get from a surplus store uh, for making uh, booby traps so it's uh, just a bunch of that all wired up and then I stuck a magnet underneath the here inside of the soup can so that when the stock comes up it the magnet hits it and it stays the stock stays into position without having to have any of the guts in there that would normally hold it into position uh, you can still jam the magazine into it you can still flip it from safe and fire and in full auto and you can still charge the charging handle all you want. It's on a spring, so it'll go back and forth all you want. You can pull the trigger, and for whatever reason, when the trigger goes up, it hits the bottom of the soup can, so it goes click, click, click. <laughs> I didn't even, that was just a, happened. You know, I didn't intend for that to happen. Otherwise, it's pretty cool, and I painted it kind of a brown color, 
some camouflage brown that I had, and for whatever reason, it just looks correct. So, uh, you know, if I had that sitting there, most people would probably think it's just a Uzi, but it's just a lot of fun. So if you have a parts kit and you haven't put it together yet, consider just mocking up a, a chassis or a, a tr uh, you know, trunnions, whatever you happen to need for whatever kind of parts kit you got, and then you can at least play with it, put it on a wall. I'm putting the, bringing that up because it's a small arms review show this weekend, so a lot of people are going to be heading to Phoenix. Pretty much the biggest gun show this side of the um, Wanamaker show, and uh, a whole building of it is going to be stuff like Uzi parts kits. And you can still put a bayonet on here, too, if I had one. Heck yeah, that's the kind of Uzi I'd want right there. So I posted a video and then fast-forwarded it. It was a while ago because I was still carrying around that blue uh, Manix 2 over there. But, uh, yeah, anyway, that's that video. So I posted a picture of it on Instagram today. What I'll do, and I don't know if you guys use this strategy, I'll, you know, when you go to Instagram, you got those four little little buttons down here. The, the next one over from the side is, I don't know what it is, a heart or something, a mushroom, and you click on that, and it uh, shows you, like who's been commenting or liking your stuff. And I think it shows you the last hundred of them. So when I scroll through there, you know, almost always it's whatever your last stuff was, right? Like your last picture or two, depending how much you've been posting. And then in the middle of those hundred, there'll be somebody who looked at something that's like six years old. And then that's what I'll repost just because that's like a, a way to get something dug up out of the back of my inventory of pictures over there. And that's where this one came from. Somebody looked at one picture from like a long, 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 long time ago. And uh, I just reposted it and made it black and white. So it looks all kind of shitty or artsy, however you want to look at it. Anyway, if you got a parts kit laying around, I highly encourage you to turn it into a soup can version of the gun. I know we were going to end, but since we're screen sharing, I'm also going to do a member of the day. We haven't done one of those in a while. Or at least not today. And uh, today it's going to be James Kalita, who is not yet a member of Gun Channels, but I'm going to bug him. I'm his first Patreon, so you can click on his Patreon. And you can see I'm giving him $1, and you could be his second dollar. Uh, I highly encourage you to check out his podcast. It's called Out of Order JamesKalita.com. So, real original. The name of his podcast, and then his name.com. I'll put a link to it out here. And, uh, he does a half an hour podcast. I don't know how often. I've just been kind of digging through them here. Do I know from here? Will this tell me? No. So I just have a couple of specific ones open here. But uh, anyway, I don't know how often he does these podcasts, but they are a half an hour long. And he just says, this is the Out of Order podcast. And I'm talking to Jay Factor. He's going to talk about New Jersey gun laws. There you go. And then he lets Jay Factor talk for a half an hour. And then at the end he goes, thanks. This was the podcast. Oh, and then the only thing he does ask the guy is he'll ask, what book do you like? And then most of the time on the when you listen to the shows, whatever the books he, the, the person recommended, he'll have a link to those books. So you can listen to a half an hour of the person without almost any influence at all from anything no commercial breaks nothing and it's all two-way people so let me try to figure out how to get to you don't even have to do anything just go to his home page that's all he's got there 
It's just literally just a link. So Kevin Dixie was his last one the other day. It looks like the 19th. So what is that? About every couple of weeks he does one? No, that's every week. He does one every week, it looks like. Um, lots and lots of 2A people in here. Uh, and, uh, well, just a great interview. Like I say, an interview show. So I've been digging through these. A half an hour goes by really fast. And I can't recommend it enough. So I'll throw the link out there. And... I don't know. I already asked Clover, but by any chance, have you guys heard of James Kalita? Hmm. No. No, just, just the message that you uh, subscribed to. Or that I did the Patreon, that probably went out as a thing. Yeah. Yep. I think whenever I, you know, I tip a dollar or whatever, and then I think it tells you, like, do you want to tell everybody? I said, yeah, sure. All right, so that's I didn't, know, I didn't know that feature was there. It just happens when you first do it. You know what I mean? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, you can send it out on Twitter or whatever too. You could test it though. You could go to my Patreon, you know, gun websites on Patreon. Um, turn off whatever Patreon you're using now. Switch it to a hundred dollars a month, and then sit, hit submit, and then you'll probably get that little button there. You can just leave it like that. Mm. Interesting. It's a good way to test it. Yeah. That's a round number as a metric. It's all based on tens. You know, one way to that I've heard, just through some therapists I was talking to, some psychoanalysts I was talking to, uh, to, 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 if you got issues with metric, is to uh, um, send people like a metric amount of Patreon support. So $100 is a good level if you're really into the metric. Mm hmm. That's why we don't use metric here. I'm saying if someone likes metric, though, then they're more than welcome to do the 100-level Patreon support for everyone. It's nice and easy to keep track of. It's like using 9mm. That's a bad yeah. number. <laughs> Odd number. What do you have, 18? I, 27? I got, I got something to mention um, that I, I found out today um, about Instagram. They have a new feature. It was supposed to roll out today, but I don't know if it's across the board or not. But when you're uploading your, your photos and you're doing your little comments and location and all that stuff, if you hit the advanced button, they allow you to edit your alt text, which basically is a quick description of your image so that the blind guys that use screen readers It'll actually, when you focus on the, the photo, it'll tell you what whoever took the picture, you know, you could say it's a, you know, a soup can Uzi. And then oh, when yeah. the blind guy looks at it, it actually shows up. Now, I, it, it came out like two days ago. I came across a couple pictures that had the alt text coming through them. And then they disappeared. And then today, uh, somebody I, I, subscribe to on youtube which he's a blind guy he gives out good information but he's kind of i don't really pay much attention to him anyways he had a video today about it and so uh if you're you do those instagrams you know check that out you know i'll take a couple more seconds maybe because they they do since they're tied in with facebook i guess facebook has a, a kind of an old way of doing it where it'll say you know person outside in nature 
uh, dog or something, you know, kind of give you a basic thing. Well, this has that same stuff a little bit more advanced, and it also allows you to type out stuff. So if you want to throw in a little description in there, and it doesn't show up, I don't think, to anybody else unless you're using a screen reader somehow. So that's it. That's interesting, especially if you're embedding your Instagram posts on websites or someplace like on a blog or something, then that would be additional alt text and yeah. uh, reader capabilities. That's using those spiders. Creepy crawlers. And that's probably a good point. It's not Monday, but usually on Mondays when we talk about nerd stuff, but uh, since we just did the two-way workshop, I guess. Um, remember to go in and update your Instagram. It doesn't, I don't I don't leave my stuff on auto-update. Hopefully you don't leave your stuff on auto-update. You know, turn your, tell your apps to be updated when you tell them to. But then remember to update your apps because like when you're talking about this, uh, if you wouldn't have mentioned something, I probably would have no interest in updating my app. So I might not have known about it you know, until the next time somebody started talking about it, which might not be for a long time, right? Yeah. All right. Well, I got busted for music yesterday, and I probably already got busted for music today. So we'll just end it. <laughs> Thanks to uh, Seven Wonders for finding the show and being so active in the chat. Uh, all the others for uh, participating as well. Um, we're at uh, 23 people watching. That's pretty good for being in the middle of the night. We're here every midnight, and we're here to talk about guns, to be uh, on topic that we decide, not reactionary to whatever the agenda-based media is deciding that what we talk about. We talked earlier today in whose chat was it? Earlier today. I've been in a lot of chats. Um, but um, was it Sarge's chat, probably? Uh, we were talking about um, being ambushed and when and how to do like a rally. I think we kind of got sidetracked into talking about a two-way rally. And uh, this is the kind of time now is the kind of time when we're not at a political situation where coincidentally some atrocity will happen where a politically motivated, you know, murderer will grab something that he knows will make him infamous and get him immediate attention from the media who wants to you know persecute any property that they've deemed you know bad so uh right now we're not dealing with any of that we we have a perfect opportunity to uh to work together and to uh to figure out how to pull in the same direction on something and we got hr 38 out there we've got other things and we got the every second matters coming up on sunday so we'll be back tomorrow at this time uh we'll be chatting about clovers we'll be judging clovers produced uh industry show and it'll be oh it'll be also our show our 700th show so we'll be joining the 700 club tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> what was that dude's name i don't remember 700. it was some kind of religion show right yeah i think so yeah shoot not not Jimmy Swagger, was it? Shoot, no. I feel like at 700, there's no other shows that are going to be more than us. There might be a couple of other like long-running weekly shows that possibly could be up to 700. But I feel like we should own the podcast, the gun podcast realm at this point. Like we should get some sort of 
special. You, you get the, the the Cal Ripken Iron Man Award for gun for podcasts. I don't know what that is, but there should be some sort of like boss <clears throat> that comes out and we like defeated them, or like today we defeated them, and like tomorrow we take our little sword or rod with a crystal at the end or something. Anyway, we'll find out what happens tomorrow. Something like the thousand hundred thousand button or a thousand oh I got a hundred thousand button from YouTube. We'll see what happens. We'll see what the podcast tube gives me. <laughs> the pod gods. Yep. Anyway, thanks everybody for keeping it going and uh either financially over at the gear website store or through Patreon. I guess I should have also mentioned that um well, there's still 22 people watching. There's, uh, we sent out a bunch of stuff today for Patreon supporters. Uh, we went out and spent $645 or something like that on the tour. Uh, that's like 30 bucks here, 50 bucks here at the various gun shops and a couple of surplus stores that we visited on the tour and about all kinds of patches and stickers and some other things. Uh, sent out a couple of knives today, some of these giant safety pins. I would call them like the safety pins you put on like on a kilt or like on a skirt right like a plaid skirt i'll have one of them big ass safety pins it's like that except it's actually for like a navy duffel bag so whatever anyway they're cool they're these big giant safety pins so a couple of them went out today i'm going to kind of ration that stuff since i won't be able to probably go purchase things at gun shops so much anymore and uh all kinds of um brochures and uh pamphlets and stuff from the various museums and things headed out as well as some stickers and patches and stuff. So uh, thanks everybody who allows uh, us to keep our projects online and occasionally keep them on the road. And uh, we're kicking butt. We've had a bunch of big projects that kind of passed, you know, doing the patches, getting the uh, the cards done is a major, you know, like distraction from doing all the other stuff. So looking forward to moving forward. We've got a couple of um, uh, big ideas for 2018. I keep getting told about other people's big ideas for 2018. It should be pretty fun. So uh, thanks again. And uh, the uh, wind beneath our wings. <laughs>